As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the From the Shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove, and, and a surprise special guest, the super producer, Jason. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> back in action. Uh, back in action. Back in action. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's tough. You know, uh, our recording schedule sometimes gets a little dicey, and you can't, uh, you can't join us because, you know, you have a pretty tough job, and... Uh, I'm lying completely. You don't. Yeah, have I have a tough to do job. real men's work. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. And, uh, yes. To all of our listeners, that's a complete lie from Jason, the producer. So <laughs> it's a complete lie. But there are times, uh, you know, we kind of we kind of touch on it that you're not available when we uh, when our guests are available. So just that's the way it works. So um, you know, before we bring. Uh, bring our guest on i do want to remind everybody that if uh, you want to get a hold of us because uh, you got a story or you just want to send us a nice email which jason we've got a couple nice emails i don't know if you heard uh me and the howler talking about the email that 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 i got about uh the canadian lady who was hoping we would crash ah yes what? i had to chuckle you, at that yeah <laughs> i was producing oh. that episode yeah <laughs> she was hoping we would crash not so that we would die but so those can the canadian women up where she was from could could uh they can keep get us yeah keep us keep <laughs> us as their slave labor or something i don't know, I don't know. But it <laughs> probably flat. to mow all the yards <laughs> <laughs> it was it was flattering that somebody thought enough of me in the howler that they 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 thought it'd be fun to have us as visitors uh, so. i'm sure the howler he probably started packing his bags too jeez. <laughs> oh, well uh, i just want to remind everybody if you do want to get a hold of us and send us a, you know send us a, a nice message or complain about something or uh if or, you got any, I'd, i'd rather have an experience i'd rather if you share a story with us so and if you don't want to do that at least give us a five-star rating oh on, on apple podcast Oh, gosh. Here goes Jason chilling for ratings. Okay. <laughs> But you can find us on Facebook at the From the Shadows podcast Facebook page or our forum page, which is After the Shadows. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Shane Grove Author. You can find our From the Shadows podcast Instagram page or just go to our website, fromtheshadowspodcast.com, hit the contact button, and you can send us an email. It comes straight to me. Um, You know, and we, I want to thank everybody. 
I don't have the list of all of our new Patreons, but uh, in a couple episodes, I will get that list and, and thank everybody personally who's decided to come and uh, uh, support us through Patreon and, and check out some of the cool um, content that we've been putting up there. An extra, so far, we're doing an extra. Uh, Extra hour and an extra uh, episode every month. Yeah, every month. And then at a certain level and then every at another level, you get uh, you get the uh, episodes commercial free and usually a day early because I just go ahead and put them up. So I don't forget to do them the day of. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so I do that. So but we appreciate everybody checking us out. And like Jason has uh, said before, um, because. Last week, and I do it because this is going to be, you know, me and Jason talking here. When this comes out, the episode we had last week with Linnell from Philadelphia, it seemed to really creep everybody out. There was some really great paranormal stories, and Linnell was a great guest, and I got tons of messages. So if you're listening to this just because it's a Bigfoot episode, go back and check out last week's episode with Linnell from Philadelphia and uh, but don't do it in the dark and don't do it by yourself because it, it won't turn out well you're going to get scared it'll put the shivers it, in your it, livers for sure shivers <laughs> in your livers but uh, but like we told everybody if you you come across an episode you really like share it with your friends you know so there's a, every every uh, place that you listen to an episode there's a button that you can share it uh, through a text message or on your social media and that would be awesome because uh, we love to have new listeners um, join uh, join the old listeners and uh, become a member of the From the Shadows podcast family. So yep. it's kind of it's kind of cool, kind of cool seeing it, seeing uh, all, all the new people here the last couple of weeks. So that is wonderful. Um, I love that. Uh, that's more perspectives. That's more more ears on the show. And uh, what I like about it is it helps to grow the show because the way this yeah. algorithm is set up, when you share it, it makes the uh, makes the algorithm think that we're real popular and you like it, and it'll introduce <laughs> to a lot of more people. A lot more people. Is that Jason secretly wants a, he wants a cologne called Algorithm so that he can <laughs> seem like he's more popular? Can, how about that? Like, I use Algorithm. <laughs> we have to tell the judge about that one, right? <laughs> oh, God. Believe me, he doesn't need any more cologne. All right. We're so far All off. right. Let's, okay. let's get down so, to business. So, so our guest is somebody uh, from time to time I go and – through some of the Facebook um, Bigfoot pages. And I came across uh, this gentleman's post about an experience he had. And I reached out to him and we got, we started talking and he, he's gracious enough to, to come on the show and share some really great stories. So Steve, welcome to the, from the shadows pocket. If you haven't already like, hung up and said i'm not hanging out with these guys but <laughs> oh, i'm right here partner. i'm right here look you guys are my kind of people you hear what i'm saying yes sir well thank you we appreciate that welcome to the show steve well i appreciate y'all having me i really do well well steve um um why don't we just get into it why don't you kind of set the set the stage here and and tell everybody uh when you had your experience and then we'll just kind of go from there uh, some of the other uh, things that have happened to you over the years. 
Sure. Uh, well, I reckon the best way to start this um, is, you know, I'm out here in Louisiana and uh, I, I come out the military out of Fort Polk, Louisiana, back in the early 80s. Uh, and I served about the 70s and such uh, in the military and uh, the Army. I was a Airborne Ranger uh, and uh, was first first and um I'll serve, and I, I'll tell you what, it, it, it was it was an experience, but uh, go ahead and cut the chase on it. Basically, I want to say this, starting out with, because I think it's important to understand this to kind of give it a little bit of contrast. I never believed in these creatures existed prior to this experience. Um, I'm going to tell you all about. I never thought they existed. I actually laughed at folks that claimed they've seen one. Um, but when you see it yourself, you can't deny what you saw. And um, you'll understand more what I'm saying about that when I go into this. But, uh, I was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana back, back in 1975 in the military. Uh, I had a girlfriend that lived in, outside of uh, Camden, Arkansas, on a farm, about 10 miles outside there, between there and Ruston, Arkansas. And, uh, so on weekends, I'd go up about four and a half hour drive from me from Fort Polk. So on weekends on Friday evenings, when we got off work, I'd head that way and I'd stay with her and her family on the farm. And, uh, two reasons. Number one, you know, cause I wanted to get up there, love farm life, that kind of thing. And I help her daddy with, you know, building fence and tending the cattle and chickens and the hogs and all that kind of thing. I love that kind of deal. But also because I get off a of post and you're in the military on weekends when you're off, they got what's called detail. And if you're on post and you're off and they need someone for detail, guess who they pick? And so I made sure I hightailed it. Yes, sir. I made sure I hightailed it to Arkansas, you know, or anywhere. But um, every weekend I went up there and uh, the farm was out in the middle of the woods. It was like, per like, like I am right now. I live out way out in the woods. Uh, and like I said earlier, it's five and a half miles up my back door to the swamps in the next house. Well, it was kind of like where she was set at over there in her farm. They had a little bigger place than I did. They had 250 acres and on their farm. And it was settled out there in the middle of nowhere. Uh, well, it was one particular Friday night. Uh, we had gotten in. I'd gotten in. And uh, her granny cooked for us all the time. Her granny was an amazing cook. Gal was about 70 years old. Just old country gal, Pentecostal gal. And I remember her. She had a hair all up in a bun and long, long dress she'd wear. I mean, that's what her belief was. And that's fine. That's fine. So, uh, but she can cook. And I'm talking about son, make you want to slap somebody. She was that good. I mean, what? <laughs> so, uh, oh, it, it was so gross. Are you hearing me? So and, let's, uh, okay, so let's be honest before we start. Yeah. The real reason you drove that far every weekend was for cooking. Nothing else. <laughs> it was for the great. That, that, that's the truth right there. I mean, that, that gal I was seeing, she was pretty nice, but she couldn't cook like Granny. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> uh, if I was going after older women, I'd be chasing Granny. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'll tell you what, but she she was a great cook. Uh, uh, and I mean, oh, a country fried chicken. I'm talking about homemade biscuits that you can, I mean, with, with, with sausage gravy that just make you want to go ahead and fall out. Um, but in any case, uh, this Friday night, we was, uh, we finished eating and we was all hunkered down in a den. When I say all of us, I'm talking about my girlfriend and me, her mom and daddy, and then her two brothers. We're in a den and, uh, watching TV. Her granny was in the kitchen washing dishes. Uh, now, out. Back 
the do- back door was in the kitchen. So out there, it goes for miles and miles to the woods out there. There's nothing but woods out there. Uh, and uh, teeth screams, granny screams, bloody murder. So all of a sudden, we just jump and run to see what's going on, how she is, was it a seer about her? And I was the first one there, and I got to the kitchen door. Son, I almost cut a flip over her. She was sitting right there in the hind end on the floor in the doorway of the kitchen. And she's pointing at the kitchen window screaming, I seen it again, I seen it again. And I assumed, I assumed my military mind, it was an intruder coming, some fella trying to break in. But her family knew what it was, because evidently it had been around before a couple of times, hence why she said she's seen it again. But no one let me in on it yet. Uh, I assume it's an intruder. Her daddy hurt. My girlfriend's daddy yells, grab a gun. He had gun racks down the hallway. So we all armed up, grabbed weapons, went out the back door. Uh, my uh, girlfriend and her and her mama stayed with Granny to go ahead and tend to her because she was pretty shook up. And I remember this like it was yesterday. Uh, one thing you know, is just when you have a traumatic experience, you tend to remember those things, details like that happened yesterday. It don't matter if it happened 55, 65 years ago. Uh, I know my in, during my career in law enforcement, when I when I would deal with people and, and talk to them about situations and traumatic experiences, they remember details years later. I mean, it's just the way the mind works. So um, I remember this so well, and these things really made an impact on my life. So I remember the details. I mean, even though it's been what forty seven years ago. Um, in any case. Uh, we ran out the back door armed. I remember me and her daddy went to the left. Her brothers went to the right. Like I said, the girls stayed inside tend to granny. Went out there. It was a very, it was 930 at night, but it was a very bright moon. Now, if you understand, you've seen bright moons before where it's so bright outside, it's like daylight. Literally like daylight, you can see across the pasture, across the fields, real bright. You can make out details and everything. Like it's almost sunlight, just a little bit dimmer. Yep. That's the kind of night this was. And so I want that understanding right there. We can see things. I can see the cattle clear across the pasture. And they were all hunkered up together on the other end of the pasture, and they were cutting up, which, of course, was a sign they were spooked. That's what cattle do when they're spooked. Uh, They hunker up together, and they start cutting up. Well, of course, that could have been a panther or a coyote, whatever, any kind of predator. Go ahead and do that. I didn't know. In my mind, I'm hunting for an intruder, a feller that tried to break in. Her daddy was ahead of me, but he would not tell me what was going on. Um, what kind of lit the cat out the bag for me that we wasn't going after a regular feller was the three hunting dogs he had. He had full, three full-size hunting dogs that were blue ticks. And those dogs right there trained to tree squirrels, trained to go ahead and run rabbits, run, run deer. They were under the porch whining, scared to death. That rung my bell. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's a feller. They're going to be, you hear them dogs cutting up, running after him, running him through the woods. Mm-hmm. They were hunting there crying, whining. That told me there's something out here that it ain't supposed to be. And so I kind of didn't know I was going after still, but in the same token, I knew it was something big and bad. <laughs> so mm-hmm. well, I cut up to her, her daddy and I went ahead and come behind him and, and he had a flashlight in the 410 and, and I was behind him with a 12 gauge. We, we, we went going and, and we come up towards us corner post. Now this corner post, and I'm trying to give you the picture of this so y'all understand. Uh, the corner post was a, a, attached to a dividing fence ran off the, ran off the corner post. The dividing fence was the fence that was divided the pasture from a 50-acre swamp. The 50-acre swamp was, was just massive. It was thick. It was bad. Uh, full full of, uh, uh, of briars. I mean, it was bad. 
Okay, so he didn't want the cattle going in there, so he built a fence over there to help them build that fence. And it was a five-foot fence. I know that for a fact because it was built out of four-foot cattle panel with a such a bob wire over it. It's about five foot high. And uh, we come close to that corner post, and and then uh, uh, we caught a, a a smell, a bad, bad stench. I'm talking about it sounded like old matted piss. I mean, it, it was terrible. It didn't make you want to gag. And then all of a sudden, we jumped something up. And when I say jump something up, I don't know if either one of y'all fellas deer hunt or anything, but I've jumped many deer up, and they jump up from a bush or whatever, and they make a racket. Mm-hmm. But, of course, deer out here ain't but 120, 150 pounds. ain't real big, uh, but they still make a racket. This sounded like a damn 2,000-pound rhino cutting through the limbs. I'm in the thicket going ahead and making a mess of a racket. It startled us, and it was twisting and turning, breaking limbs and everything. Then all of a sudden, this is the point my world came to a complete, utter stop. Everything that I was taught to believe, this point on, to this point where I was 19 years old, with, with out there with my girlfriend's daddy, I questioned everything I was taught to believe right there. Uh, and this gives me chills even saying this, fellas, because of, uh, I go back to the emotions that hit me when I seen this. Not 25 foot in front of us, this critter that was making that racket and that thicket jumped that fence. Right in front of us, 25 foot in front of us. Now, it's, I mean, it's bright, it's almost daylight, and we see this thing. It crouched down when it hit the ground over that fence. Didn't even, I mean, didn't touch that damn fence. I mean, didn't touch it. We checked later on for hair, and uh, Bob Wire was no, no hair in it. That's how it cleared like a cleared that fence like a damn track star. It crouched down, and then it stood up. And when it stood up, we saw the size and mass of this thing. 25 foot from us and 25 feet ain't a whole lot of distance I'm telling you about from, from you and something like this. This thing stood up about eight foot tall, at least eight foot tall, uh, had to have been every bit of 700 pounds and was covered in long, dark, stringy hair. And it was, it, it was side now, it was flank of us. When I say flank, it landed sideways to us. So we didn't see its face straight on. I seen its profile of its face, but I seen its body well enough. It was stood up like a man. It was massive. The muscle structure in this thing was unbelievable. It's like looking at Lou Ferrigno, who played the Incredible Hulk. If you can imagine him, about three foot taller, about mm-hmm. four hundred pounds heavier, covered in hair, you got what I'm looking at right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, as soon as it stood up, it didn't attack us. It did not try to be aggressive. It ran away from us, and it ran across that pasture. So I'm I'm thinking. And my mind is going 100 miles an hour trying to figure out what this thing is. Same time, I'm thinking, you know, it must be scared of us as much as we scared of it. Because I was froze, son. I was froze. Now, this thing uh, runs across the pasture. We watch it run like a man. Didn't fall to all, four, all fours at any time. It ran like a track star. Long stride, arm swing was unbelievable as it ran away from us. We watched this thing run. It was no bear. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when I started talking about this was what wasn't <laughs> very, very recently. I started talking about this. I kept it inside me for over 40 years. Um, but as far as as far as uh, uh, I've been asked by some people, was it a bear? No, it was no bear. I've seen many bear. I've, I've seen grizzlies. I've seen black bear. I went, we call sugar bears out here about four or five foot tall. But I've seen all kind of bears. There's some definite differences between a bear structure body structure in this creature number one 
a bear has some sort of a snout. This creature, its profile had a human face, human nose, okay? Uh, no snout. Number two, uh, a bear's got sloped shoulders. This thing had broad, massive shoulders, like a bodybuilder. So that was, and again, threw it off like of a bear. Then the main thing was a bear can stand up like a man, and a bear can stand walk like a man too. It can do it. I've seen them do it. But a bear cannot run like a man. Its hip structure and leg structure won't allow it to. It has to fall to all fours to run. So this thing running at the tracks for our cross, again, that was no bear. And if no one convinced me it was. It ran across the pasture, went ahead, and it broke, and it crashed through the cattle gate. Now, we had built that cattle gate. I know exactly where that cattle gate was built up. That cattle gate was made there, of course, bring his tractor inside there and such, go ahead and cut the grass and all that and work the land. But the uh, cattle gate was made out of two-by-sixes of oak, oak two-by-sixes. And I don't know if you know how hard oak wood is, but I'm going to tell you right now, try to break some sometime. Number one. <laughs> Two by sixes, not two by fours, two by sixes oak. Wow. You go ahead and take a two by six of oak wood, try to break that. Number one, it's heavy. And number two, you can be working on it for a while trying to break it, I promise you. This thing crashed to that and splintered it. We didn't know that until the last, until the next morning with the pulls of recon and went and looked, but uh, from what we saw as it ran through there. And when it broke through that and crashed through that cattle gate, trust me, we was not going to chase it. There was no way. But as soon as it crashed through that cattle gate, it went ahead and it roared. And it, it a roar out that I've never heard in my life. And I've heard all kind of critters in these woods roar. I've never heard that roar since, except for one other time on a recording. And I'll tell you that in a little bit. But however, after that happened right there, we stopped. Uh, her brothers come around the other side of the house. They come running. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that roar? I said, hear it. We done seen the damn thing, man. And so they said, you seen it? I said, yes, we've seen it. Well, her daddy was shook up. He was shook up bad, and I had to calm him down. He said, oh, man, we don't know what to do. It's coming around here all the time. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. How to protect my family? I don't know what to do. And he was, I mean, he was, he was really falling apart. Now, he, this, this fella here is 40-something years old. I'm a 19-year-old soldier, okay? And I'm trying to hold my composure together, too. This is not something I was trained for in Fort Benning, Georgia Ranger School to go ahead and handle. <laughs> I'm handling handle all the time. So I'm trying to figure out in my mind, what did the hell did we just see? Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, so they, oh, it comes around here every once in a while and it peeks in the window at Granny and everything else. It's never tried to break in the house as far as ranting on the house or beating on something or going ahead and breaking the windows. It never tried to attack anybody. It just comes around. I reckon it's curious. That was the thought process on that. Well, as things kind of calmed down, her tallest brother was six foot four, so we got him to stand underneath the kitchen window for scale because the house was up on pilings because they weren't too far from the river, and evidently every once in a while it floods, so they had it jacked up. And had him raise his hand up, and being six foot four, stretching his arm up, he can probably reach his fingertips about almost seven foot in the air. And with that, he still could barely touch the bottom rim of that kitchen window. So that told us right there that whatever looked in that window had to be at least eight foot tall or taller. You know, it was consistent with something that tall. So we calmed down a bit, talked about it, went to the house. By that point in time, Granny was calmed down a little bit, and I sat down with her. 
And uh, I said, Granny, I said, look, I said, I ain't trying to go ahead and upset you. I said, by no means. But I'm just trying to understand what we just seen. She goes, you seen it? I said, yes, ma'am, we seen it. Now, we didn't see his face real good because it was flank of us. And we saw his profile. I didn't see his face straight on. I seen his body real well. I said, however, you seen his face good when looking in the window? She goes, I've seen his face really good a few different times in the past, too. I said, okay, if you don't mind me asking you, what did his face look like? She said, it looked like a huge man's face. However, she said it was no man. And it had uh, hair around its face, but no hair on its face. Big nose, big mouth, and big red glowing eyes. Now, sellers, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm not doubting, I never doubted Granny. I didn't doubt her a bit. This is an old Pentecostal woman. I've known how the Pentecostals are. They straight to the book, huh? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wasn't doubting her. However, red glowing eyes kind of threw me for a loop. That's vampire type stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't doubt her. But I, 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 you know, I said, okay, well, she saw that, and I'm, I'm, that's what she saw. You know, I never saw its face, so I couldn't, you know, but I'm just saying what she said. Now, uh, the next day, we didn't we didn't sleep that night. I, I think you realize that. <laughs> so that coffee pot stayed going all night long. But anyway, next morning, we decided to pull a recon. We went out there in the daylight and uh, looked around. We went back from the starting point. This thing's jumped the fence and. Check, like I said, check the barbed wire and that fence that went jumped and didn't find any hair on it at all. We found footprints across pasture. Huge. They were huge. Now, you know, I'm talking about I can put almost both my feet end to end together. Okay, toe to heel and dang near fit in that footprint. Not quite. My toes was hanging over, but I'm talking about my feet. So about I'd say 18, 19 inches long was uh, and about six inches wide was yes. that footprint. They, they were huge. This thing was massive. Uh, and then, uh, so as we went down towards the cattle gate, examined it, and it was tore up. I mean, it was splintered. And uh, there was hair in the barbed wire there. We found hair, mats of hair in there. Of course, this is back in 75. Understand, fellas, this is long before cell phones, long before computers or anything else. So we didn't have none of that back then. So uh, we just did, I reckon it didn't dawn on us to keep the hair. I wish today I would have, you know, when computers are out now and DNA and all kind of stuff, but we uh, we didn't have that back then. So we didn't see any purpose of it. At least I didn't, and I don't know if they kept it or not, but I didn't, but I wish to God I did grab a whole handful of that and kept it. I wish I would have. Stupid me. But anyway, that's hindsight. Uh, then as we, as we followed the tracks, it went on through, uh, and it went, like I said, the swamp was full of uh, both sides of that pasture was swamp. And it went through a, uh, uh, it was thick, thick, thick uh, sawtooth briars. I'm talking about they was thick. And if you know what sawtooth briars are, them, them briars and them thorns and them things is about three or four inches long. We call them wait a minute military because when you're going through there on recons and such and maneuvers and they grab a hold of your leg and such, they say, wait a minute, <laughs> you ain't going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you what, and they stick you too. So uh, even through all our combat fatigues, but in any case, in our T-50. But uh, uh, so we didn't bother to go any further from that. And uh, 
we sat down and her daddy asked me, he said, look, I appreciate if you wouldn't talk about this. This was a small community. And back then, Camden was a very small town. I don't know how big Camden is now. This is back in 75. Back then, it was a very small community. And they had a, they were known there, you know, in the church. They didn't want the word getting out. Folks laughing at them, ridiculing that kind of thing. So uh, I respected that. I did. I respected that. And I said, yes, sir. I said, don't worry about that. I'll keep it inside. I won't say a word. And I did. And I went back to post. And I didn't ever, ever talk about it. Never brought it up. I just put it back in my mind and wouldn't talk about it to anybody. And even though uh, uh, <laughs> I've come across a few other instances, but uh, that was, that was you know, that's what I did. And, and uh, I didn't talk about it for years. Uh, now, before I get into that, I'm going to this because this is so close back to back to each other. Um, I believe I told you this too, partner. I, I believe yeah, about yeah. Uh, 70. This is back in 75. Now, in 76, uh, I, w- I was at later part of 76, six, I was uh, PCS to Europe. But uh, prior to that happening, um, we had an incident happen on Fort Polk back in 76. Um, and uh, first and 40th Armor, which was an armor battalion, was going uh, on maneuvers. Fort Polk at the time is a very, it's a very huge uh, uh, installation. At the time, had over 8,000 troops stationed on it. Uh, and uh, this is before the cutback government did from military installations and all that in the early 80s. But in any case, we had over 8,000 troops on the post and uh, stationed there, several battalions. You got 15 battalions, each one, you know, holding about 1,500 troops. You, you can pretty much put through the math on that, how many troops you got all together, and that's not counting uh, all the MP tro- uh, battalions we had and everything else out there, maintenance battalions and everything else. I'm just counting infantry armor and, and the uh, and those battalions there and stuff like that, single battalions. In any case, 1st and 40th was on maneuvers. They were they were uh, armor battalion, tanks, APCs, howitzers, mobile. And then we're going to Peace on Ridge. What we trained at all the time was called Peace on Ridge. Peace on Ridge was the far end uh, of, of Fort Polk, and it tied into what was called Kasachi National Forest. Kasachi National Forest is a huge wildlife preserve and, and biggest one in Louisiana, one of the biggest ones anyway, in the central part of Louisiana. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it's about 600,000 acres. I mean, it's massive. It's huge. And uh, any case, there's been lots of sightings up there, <laughs> lots of sightings. So it's no wonder they seen this thing. Any case, crossing the road, this is in daylight now, daytime, in front of the entire battalion. They see this huge creature, huge, massive creature cross the road, dirt road, middle of the woods. And you're talking about a lot of troops right now seeing it, not just one or two. Okay, the whole battalion. Matter of fact, the, the BC saw it, who was, see, BC was battalion commander. Bird Colonel. He went ahead and radioed back to the division commander, which was General Haldane at the time, post commander, and he told him. And when a colonel, full board colonel, tells you, hey, we just seen this thing. I seen this creature. My troops seen this creature cross the road. Trust me, that, that's division commander's fixing to take action. You understand what I'm saying? So he went ahead and he immediately issued an uh, order to shut down Fort Polk because back then, in them days, it was open post, meaning civilians can cross it because they would use it going across there to Highway 28, Alexandria. It was a big shortcut, like a bypass for them. Uh, he ordered the post closed for seven days for a week. When that happened there, 
uh, he deployed all units, had to go out there to Fort Polk, all through the woods, Fort Polk, Peace on Ridge and everything. We had to go out there. I mean, we weren't shoulder to shoulder, but one, one battalion over here, one battalion over here, one battalion over here. We were spread everywhere and looking for this thing. We had a lot of woods to cover. And for that whole solid week, we was out there. No one was allowed on Fort Polk. No one, no one but military personnel and authorized personnel, civilian personnel who were authorized otherwise. And that was it. Uh, they were the, all the gates was heavily guarded. Uh, and we uh, we went through there. Now we didn't. I I didn't see anything. And no one in my battalion battalion saw anything. However, we heard that other one other. Times did see something. We heard a crash. We heard some noise. We went over, investigated it, found some deuce and a halfs that were turned over and crushed. And a deuce and a half military truck is a big old transport truck. And these things were, it, they both were upside down and crushed. So whatever did that had to be some kind of a beast. I'm going to tell you right now. We didn't see it. Like I said, we did not see it. Uh, but we heard it was captured. Now, I, that was in, in the grapevine. Was it true? Don't know. I can't say. And I, I don't, me, I'm the kind of person, if I don't know for a fact, I ain't going to say it. I'm just going to give you the idea that I don't know. And that's it. You know, if I know it, I'm going to tell you I know. It. If I don't, I'm not going to say it. And I'm just that way. You know, so, and this is gospel. I ain't going to say it. Um, uh, any case, so, uh, we were, uh, after the week was over with, we were all brought to Honor Field, which was across Highway 10 from Fort Polk, and we were put over there by the division commander. The whole division. And we were over there, and he came out there, and he, he pretty much put it out to us. We ain't supposed to talk about it. We ain't supposed to do this. No word. He put all, uh, we call Billy Goat Hill, was going towards Leesville, which is the town we all partied in, going to bars and stuff as soldiers. Uh, he, he put all Billy Goat Hill on, off, off limits. We couldn't go there for a long time. He didn't want none of the troops going ahead and letting the bag that something seen over there. So uh, that's why that was done. We talked amongst ourselves about it. That's all we could do. But I heard that so many times before on different missions I've been on, stuff, TDY missions that, uh, uh, you know, you can't talk about it. You can't talk about this. Can't talk about that. Got to sign feral documents and everything else. I mean, I've been through all that so many times. I was used to it, you know. Um, but in any case, so that was uh, 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 an instance right there where I just, man, you know, here's two things back to back. One I've seen in Arkansas. And one I heard, but I didn't see, but uh, seen the results of what it did at Fort Polk. So, and both within a year of each other, I, that really kind of caught me. Oh man, look, what, what's going on? You know, I didn't believe in these creatures. And now all of a sudden, now my whole world's upside down and I have no choice but to believe in them. Uh, so I knew something was existing. Now, let me throw this out in the mix real quick. Uh, I told you I didn't talk about this for years. And I didn't. I kept it inside of me. I didn't tell my wife. didn't tell my sons. For years, no one knew about it. One day, my, my wife's uncle, well, of course, I got married in 84 when I came out of the military, stayed here in Louisiana, went ahead, and we live right here. We are right now and, uh, out here in the woods. My wife's uncle, uh, his name was Lewis Gale, good fella. Uh, we became best friends and best hunting buddies. So we hunted together all the time. We was going squirrel hunting and deer hunting, hog hunting, everything out in the woods. And uh, we did for years. Well, one, one particular day, I decided, well, you know what? We've hunted around here, hunted there, hunt. I said, Uncle Lewis, I said, we got to go out there to Anacoka Swamp, and uh, uh, which is, a, you know, it's not too far from here, but I, I, it's a pretty hard terrain up there, a lot of hills, 
lot of lot, lot of hollers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was 75 years old. I figured he probably wouldn't want to go because it's hard terrain. So I asked him, I said, well, you, you know, you want to go? He said, he said, no, we ain't, I ain't going there. You can go if you want, but I ain't going. I said, I figured it's too hard for you, Uncle Lewis. He said, no, ain't that. He said, uh, I ain't going there because I've seen something there before and I ain't never going back. And I said, well, he got my curiosity up and said that. So I said, well, well I said, what, what, what'd you see? He said, I won't talk about it. I said, Uncle Lewis, I said, I understand. I said, but you got my curiosity up. Because when he said that, you know what it did to me? It jogged my memory about what I seen in Arkansas. Okay, so that's why I was kind of persistent on why I wanted him to hear what he had to say. He said, son, if I tell you what I've what I, what I seen up there, you're not going to want to hunt with me no more. And I, he said, uh, and you're going to tell my, your, your, my niece, your wife, that uh, I'm crazy. I'm a crazy old man. I said, no, sir, I won't do that. I said, honestly, I said, I, I'm right here. I'm all ears. He said, you won't believe me. I said, Uncle Lewis, trust me when I say, I'll believe you. He said, all right. And he opened up. He told me back in the 50s, him and a friend of his, who I know very, very well, named Milton Hickenbottom, lived across the road. And I know Milton very well. Uh, of course, him and Uncle Lewis both now passed away, but I know Milton's sons real well. And we hunted together too for years. Well, he said him and Milton was out there in Anacoca Creek, out in the swamp over there, and uh, they were squirrel hunting. Well, when you go squirrel hunting, you get out there before daylight because as soon as the day breaks, you're looking up in the treetops, looking for you know, looking for the limbs to start moving. That means them squirrels are bouncing right there and jumping from limb to limb, and you can get them. Uh, hopefully, it's not windy out, so you can tell. You know, that's, you look for a still day. But anyway, day's out there right before daybreak, sitting on a hill outside the creek, and as soon as the day broke, they went in here and they could see, make out different things. Looked across the creek, and on the white sandbar, about 100 foot from them, they seen this creature standing there. They knew it was a creature. They didn't know what it was. They knew it was a creature. And uh, he said it stood, it was very big, very massive, very tall. And it reached up, and it grabbed a hold of a limb coming off a bluff above it. And it just stood there looking at him, frozen, looking at him. And then finally, it re- reared back and it let out a roar. Uncle Lewis said it made his head on his head almost pop off from his hair standing up. It scared him that much, and I can understand that. So uh, he said, man, and they froze, and that thing turned around after it rode, and it, 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 uh, it roared, and he said it stepped up on the bluff, and it went off in the swamp, and it was gone. Well, they waited a while. They didn't want to get over there. Maybe they wanted to make sure it was gone because it scared the hell out of them. They crossed the creek. Went over there, looked, seen the footprints in the sandbar, and they looked over there, and that limb come off that bluff was about 12 foot in the air, he said. That thing had to have been 10 foot tall to grab that limb. And he and it set up on that bluff about six foot in the air. And to do that, you got to be a big feller. <laughs> Dip up six foot in the air, and your body weight go up on one foot. So, um, again, that was consistent with something that tall. And he told me, he said, it went off there. He said, ever since then, he never went back ever again to Anaco Creek. So he said, well, now, he said, I reckon you're probably going to sit here and laugh at me. He said, go ahead. And I said, Uncle Lewis, I ain't going to laugh at you. And I, I went ahead and I said, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story, son, that I, I seen back in 75 in Arkansas. And I told him my encounter. That old man almost broke down and cried. The relief out of him hearing that from me was, I guess I ain't crazy. I said, no, sir, I promise you, you ain't crazy. 
these things evidently exist, and it's more than one, obviously. Um, and so he he was so relieved of that. It just you know he almost wanted to hug my neck. I said, man, I said, but I, I, and, and so it kind of felt good a little bit for me to get it off my chest, and but I still was hesitant to tell anybody else about it. And then finally, uh, uh, later on, of course, uh, uh, Miguel got a hold of me, and I, I told it to him, and that's when I told my wife and my sons. And uh, so, of course, it, and it's hard for them to grasp, but it is. Uh, it is. My, my, my son, he, he, my, both my boys, they understood it, and they, but they both looked, and they, well, we never seen one before, so we don't know, but they believe there's other stuff out there. They believe in UFOs and everything. They've seen them before, but they just, you know, so I said, I understand. Look, I don't expect you to go ahead and take it to heart. I mean, it's it, it just, I, I, I didn't. I didn't believe these things existed either until I saw them. And seeing was believing for me. So I said, you know, but I'm just telling you, I said, your old man seen this and had an experience this, and that's all I can tell you. You know, so, but in, and they, they believe it. It's, it's just understanding the concreteness of it because seeing one themselves. Uh, but in any case, and uh, my oldest son, uh, who I was telling you about, of course, he plays with Caden Gellard Band out in Tennessee. Um, and he lives out in Tennessee, and he, he he called me up. He said, Pop, he said, look, he said, there's Bigfoot conferences all over Tennessee. Everywhere you go. He said, these things are real, I guess, huh? I said, I'm telling you, son. I've been telling you. <laughs> you know, so anyway, so, yeah, I mean, and 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 because people are seeing these things. Uh, the only case, and then as far as out here, there's sightings all over here. Uh, my my wife's sister, her her uh, her big her boyfriend, which was, I mean, they were living together for years, so I called him brother-in-law, but anyway. Uh, and we were sitting on the porch one day, and my mom and daddy, so he, he went ahead and he told me, he's a Steve, he said, I don't see one over, over here, over over River Dam, which is about 15 miles uh, east or uh, west of here. And uh, that's a swampy area over there. I would think one would live out there for sure. And uh, he said he seen one one night out there. And he said he said he never went back there either. He used to set traps out there. And so I was surprised that all the people coming out forward talk, talking about they've seen these things. Now, there's sightings out in Sabine River, which is not about 15, 20 miles from here. Sabine River, there's sightings everywhere. Sabine River uh, separates Louisiana from Texas. And uh, uh, there's sightings all through there, all over the place. Now, there's so many sightings <laughs> in that area that uh, Toledo Bend, which is a big reservoir right there that comes off that's where Toledo, uh, uh, Toledo, um, Sabine River comes off of is outside of uh, communities called Man Manny and Zawali, Louisiana. Zawali, Louisiana is about 45 miles from here, about north of here. And the mayor of Zawali actually notified and contacted the BRFO and telling them we got Bigfoot, Bigfoot sightings down here everywhere. Y'all get someone down here. And they actually sent Finding Bigfoot show down there to go ahead and do one of their shows down in Zawali uh, and talk to all the people who've seen the creatures out there. So there's sightings all through here. I have not seen one here in Louisiana. I wish I could say I did, but I have not. And uh, uh, I've hunted all through these woods, but I talked to people who have seen them. Now I've been asked by people, well, it's a bunch of miles from your, how about your back door of the next house to the swamp? Why don't you get out in the backyard and go ahead and beat on some trees and go ahead and call one up? <clears throat> And my answer to that is very simple. Son, 
I did not want to see the one I saw in Arkansas. That's scared the fire out of me. I don't think I want to call one up. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, you don't want to get you don't want to give one the wrong impression that you're no, sir. Let me let me let me t- let me tell you this, okay? I, 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 they exist. There's no question about that. I, I I I don't doubt that a second. I'll argue anywhere on the ground about it. Who says they don't? I know what I've seen. But thing about it is, is this, okay? I, I'm curious about them. I have studied them since then. I have. But I'm not looking, wanting to see one again. If that sense to you, I just don't want to see one again. Uh, now I don't believe they're violent, but then again, I don't know. I've heard other stories too. So I mean, you know, uh, I was armed that night. We seen in Arkansas, and the only reason why I didn't unload is because of the fact that creature did not attack us. He did not attack us. He didn't try to aggress us. He ran away from us, so I didn't. I didn't fire. My uh, girlfriend's daddy, he was so too shook up to fire. <laughs> he was froze. So, uh, no, I, was, I don't blame him. I was too. But in any case, um, so I, I, I do. I believe they exist now. And, and these things are all around here, all around here. Now, uh, my son had told me, he said, Daddy, he said, there, there's a, a, a Bigfoot museum outside of out in South Arkansas, which is about not three and a half hours from here. Yeah, and he said, yeah. "He said, yeah." He said, "Why? Why don't you go up there?" I, I didn't, I didn't know that. So I went up there, and uh, first time I went up there, and I got up there to file, and that's where the Buggy Creek area was, and everything. And I, I was talking to the gal up there in the museum, and she said, "Let me get my, uh, my husband, and he, he's the owner, or she, they own it." So he come out his office, and he, I was talking to the owner, and I told my my encounter, and he said, "Wow," he said, "That is amazing," and you seen it. He seen it where now? I said, out, I said, outside Camden, between Camden and Ross. And he said, you know, that ain't that far from here. I said, really? I, I mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know how close it was to the Boggy Creek area. It was close. And he said, he said, I wouldn't doubt you seen the same creature. Because here's why. He said, Boggy Creek creature was seen in 71 by two sheriff's deputies. He said, uh, and some other people. He said, and that was in 71. You've seen this thing down the road in 75, just four years later. I wouldn't doubt you've seen the same thing or one related. I said, I don't know. I can't swear to I did. I know what I've seen, and I know it wasn't, it wasn't human, and it wasn't a bear, and it was a creature. But, I, I you know, I'm not going to say it was a Boggy Creek monster, but I, I, if it was, my goodness, that kind of solidified a lot of things for me. Um but in any case, uh, so I was really, and then, you know, he was very interested in the story, so I gave it to him, and uh, I ended up. Uh, he got me in touch with a feller named Lyle Blackburn or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I gave my encounter to him, and he went ahead and said he wants to do a thing on it and all this. And so, I mean, you know, he put me in contact with different people and this and that and everything else. Uh, but uh, I mean, I learned a lot. I didn't realize Camden was that close to Fouch. So that really uh, opened my eyes to that. Uh, but in any case, so uh, that whole thing of, of do big bigfoot creatures exist there's not a question in my mind i know i know i saw what i saw and i and i it's it's when i was i was telling you also when i pcs over to europe and i was stationed over out in germany i was on spot first division we went to uh we, we in germany in, in the military and let me enlighten you about this in the, in the military um the german government doesn't allow the american military to build installations like fort bragg fort benning fort pope fort uh, lewis uh, over uh, on the german soil you can't do that so they use old french barracks world war ii barracks okay for the, mil- the american military to use and house in and i was at what's called american air concern outside of frankfurt 
and I was stationed over there. Uh, in any case, so uh, the old French barracks are uh, are quads. Alpha Bravo, Charlie Delta Company is what they are. World War II, Hitler used them and all that kind of thing back in World War II and all that kind of stuff uh, when he had control of Germany. Uh, so in any case, uh, while I was uh, over there, I cross-trained also as a unit police, which is kind of like MP. And uh, we carried M16s, 45s, everything fully armed, um, patrolling throughout the area of Frankfurt and Perch and all the areas around there, Offenbach. And uh, we uh, we were making rounds, and we they took me under underground under to the, about two levels down below the concern, and I which I didn't know existed. And uh, there was it went down five more levels below that. We didn't go the five levels down. They were telling me about the five levels down. There's a big iron door and it was chained and locked since World War II. They went ahead and, and uh, secured them. And he said, they were telling me, this current colonel was telling me, he said, look, he said, back during World War II, Hitler had all kind of cha- underground uh, bases and, and motor pools and all kind of un- uh, uh, underground uh, tunnels connecting Frankfurt, Wiesbaden, Offenbach, you know, Ansbach, you know, uh, uh, Owensfeld, everything, all under under Germany was by channels and tunnels and everything else and transport areas underneath the ground. That way he can transport items, weapons, what have you, out of view of topside. And he did that. Everywhere he, he, he took over, every country he took over, he did the same thing. Underground, he bored these underground things and transports. And he told me, he said, even in... Um, uh, Antarctica. When Hitler had his base over in Antarctica, he did the same thing. He under, underground cha- channels and tunnels and underground bases over there in World, during World War II. Uh, and this is, I'm, I'm being told this now, not last year or five years ago, 1976. Okay. This is, this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. A lifetime ago. I'm being told this by a full bird colonel. And so, you know, and he was telling me about, and I said, man, you know, it, it just opened my eyes, you know, my goodness. Now, we didn't know about Antarctica back then. Antarctica didn't become a deal to what, about 10 years ago? You know, uh, uh, this, this is 46 years ago. And and uh, uh, before Antarctica, no one thought about Antarctica except for an ice cube. That was it, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't know. That was it. No, no one ever talked about it. No new military was over there. No one knew anything about anything other than the stories of Admiral Admiral Byrd. That was it. Which was kept tight, tight, tight for a long time. Any case, so uh, learned a lot. But in any case, that kind of lightened me in a lot of things and kind of looking. My eyes were open at this point in time to the world is not what we seem perceive it to be. Uh, it's not. There's a lot of things here we don't know and understand now. Uh, when I came out the military and got married, my wife in 84, I uh, started my career in law enforcement. And, uh, and during my career, I, I went ahead and I had, had actually took reports from a few people who seen these creatures, these Bigfoot creatures. And of course they were nervous talking to a law enforcement officer, you know, well, he probably didn't believe me, think I'm on drugs, something like that. And I would assure them, calm down. Trust me when I say I believe you. I wouldn't tell them why. I didn't tell them about my encounter. I wasn't ready to talk. I wasn't ready to talk about it then. But I would assure them, I believe every word they're saying. I knew these things were real. I knew things exist. I knew that for a fact.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My whole world changed from that point there. I started studying these. I want to know more about these creatures. Didn't want to see one again, but I wanted to study about them. Now, I know I'm jumping around a lot, fellas, and I don't mean to, but I'm trying to go ahead and stitch this all together for you. But uh, remember I mentioned about Granny going ahead and seeing the creature's face in the, in the window, and it had big, mm -hmm. red, glowing eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here, years ago, I was watching Discovery Channel, and it was – show about un undersea, you know, deep sea exploration and such. And they had sent a sub, a micro sub down there, about 10, 12,000 feet down in the ocean. Of course, it's pitch black down there and everything else. And they're looking at different sea life and all this and that. And uh, they found these fish and it showed them. It showed the video of these fish. And I'm looking at these weird looking fish. And of course, it's dark, 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 can't see your hand from your face type dark down there. But you saw these fish. And once you saw what you saw first, Before you saw the fish, were these red beams of light ahead of them, and then when, as the as the sub went around the fish, it showed their their eyes. Their eyes were red, glowing red, and shooting these red beams of light out. These their eyes like three or four foot out there. The narrator went on to say how these fish had developed over the millions of years, whatever, had developed this this ability to go ahead and like IR built in IR to go ahead and night fish to see through the darkness seafood and shelter, what have you. And uh, so, I, I, I mean, this, this answered a big question for me. When I seen that, and he said, and I remember him saying, now, that if sea-based creatures can adapt to this and, and develop this kind of technology ability, what's to say that land-based creatures can't? And that kind of answered the question to be what, what Granny saw, why these things had red glowing eyes. As I continued to put the pieces of the puzzle together, I figured out these things got have some kind of X-ray, not X-ray, night vision, built-in IR. They can see in the darkness. Evidently, they can see in the darkness. Well, then you take that with along with, uh, I believe they're part human. Now, I can't say 50% or 40% or 30%. I believe they're part human and they're part animal, evident, obviously. But when you take an animal and you take an, a human being, And you combine the two together, you got the perfect creature, the perfect thing. Why is it perfect? Because humans, well, we're human. We can't run the fa as fast as a deer. We can't run as fast as a bobcat. We don't have the cunning, okay, in, in the survival type of ability of, a, of, a, of an animal, okay? We don't have that sixth sense. We don't have that, okay? But when you take, can you imagine taking a human being and combining that human being Okay, with his human intel, along with 
the speed of an animal, like a deer or a bobcat or a panther, where he can run 40 miles an hour, where he can go ahead and camo, naturally camo in the woods, where he can go ahead and have the human intel plus the animal instinct, you got the perfect creature. And that kind of answers the question of why these creatures, these being, these creatures aren't being seen as much as people think they should be. Well, we got trail cams out. That don't mean a thing. If they got human intel, they obviously know what a trail cam is and how to avoid them. Okay. And, and uh, if, they, if they have human intel and sixth sense combined with the animal sixth sense, they can tell when a human's coming before a human knows they're there. And on top of that, like I was telling you the other day uh, when we were talking, I promise you, I guarantee you, they're in, out there in the woods. They're seeing us before we're seeing them. They're seeing us a lot more than we're seeing them. Okay, because they're out there in the wood line. And, you know, as, as a deer, I have a deer hunter and squirrel hunter and hog hunter and everything. I can tell you this. When I go out there in the woods and I hunt and you're looking, you're looking for, you know, sign, deer sign here and there and everywhere else. But you're looking for movement. We can't sense anything without movement. Human beings, we can't sense it. If you got a critter out there in the wood line and he's blended into the wood line. You can't tell he's there unless he does what? Moves. Yep. Breaks. I'll tell you this. Being ex-military, I can tell you this. Okay. The military's version of camo is nothing more than breaking up your form and blending into your surroundings. That's exactly what true camo is. And if you do that, that's what animal animals do that naturally. A deer will stand there and freeze. And a, a squirrel will freeze. Animals will freeze in place. And we can't see them unless they move. I promise you, how many people have people who claim they've seen these creatures moving and walking, or whatever, or behind a tree looking back and forth? How many times they've missed them because they've been the creature's been standing still looking at them and they never saw it? So that's something food for thought right there. Sure Next time is. they go traveling through the woods, well, I don't see one. Well, I'm not going in the woods now that you said. Well, I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you said that. Well, I'm just say this. I mean, I mean, you get out there in the woods and you're driving through the woods or walking through the woods, whatever. Okay, you say, "Well, I don't see one," but what you can't say, he doesn't see you. He's not watching you right there. You don't know. You see, so that's the whole thing. Um, when they call him the hide and seek champion in the world, they, they ain't no, they ain't no kidding. Now, okay, so. I, I, I studied these things and taught different people and everything else. And now once I came out with my story, I went ahead and started getting more comfortable, you know, and really looking into it. I live in an area that there's, they're seen all the time. I just haven't seen one out here yet. Like I said, I don't want to really see one. I have no interest in seeing another one. I just like studying about it, but I do know they exist. There's no question. Um, and so I hope I, that right there, I, I know I jumped around a lot. I apologize for that. I just tried to go ahead and stitch these things together from 1975 to 2022, trying to get, you know, everything in the middle. But uh, I, uh, there was another encounter I had. It wasn't really an encounter. It was an experience. Uh, I think I told you about this. I'm not sure. Uh, it wasn't dealing with the Bigfoot. Um, but I, uh, in 76, prior to, right before I got PCS to Europe, uh, I went on TDY missions a lot. The military is full of acronyms. We got all kind of good things. PCS, permanent change station, ETS, internal service. We got TDY, temporary status. I mean, it's, it's just that full of them. I went TDY a lot. That just means you're going on a mission. 
Okay, going on a mission, T.Y. I went on a lot of those. Uh, me and four other fellas were given orders to go on a TDY mission over to Fort Bliss, Texas in 1976. I reported over there, uh, and we were briefed on mission, given a skeleton coordinates, and the skeleton coordinates is nothing more than just giving you a basic area of where you're going because you're following a chase vehicle. Chase vehicle, uh, you can't ever lose sight of that chase vehicle. Uh, you have to go ahead, and if you do lose chase, uh, sight of that chase field for any reason, that's why you're given the skeleton coordinates. You're to meet them at a perimeter coordinates right there. Our, our skeleton coordinates gave, gave us an, uh, basically a beef overview of approximately 27 miles uh, south of Pagosa Springs, Colorado. We didn't know anything else other than that. We, didn't, we had no idea what we were doing. We, we were driving five five-ton sealed load vehicles, transport vehicles. Following this, uh, ch uh, it was a chase vehicle. Chase vehicle was a military sedan. However, it was ma it was manned by two suits. We called them civilians. Evidently, these guys, what were they? CIA, CID, FBI, have no clue, don't know, don't know to this day. Never found out, never know. They had a high security clearance, higher than ours. We had a high clearance. They had a way higher clearance than ours. So we followed them. Again, we had sealed load. We went ahead and followed them. Uh, from Fort Bliss, which Fort Bliss, Texas is right there on the border of El Paso, Texas. Uh, uh, it's right there. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, on the border of New Mexico, right outside of uh, El Paso. And uh, so we followed them. It was about six and a half, seven hour drive. I remember that. We come out in the middle of the desert. We took these desert roads. I'm talking about we didn't see towns. We didn't see nothing for miles and miles and miles. Nothing but dirt roads and desert. Bases and mountains. We come out, finally come out in the middle of nowhere, the desert. Now, there was some mesas out there and some mountains. I can't tell you if there's a town other side of that mesa. I can't tell you. We couldn't see the other side of that mesa. But we could see desert, mesas, and mountains. That was it. No houses, no buildings, except for we come up, following this chase vehicle, to a guard shack in the middle of the desert. That struck me as very unusual. No, no buildings anywhere else. Nothing. Just a guard shack. About 20 foot, that guard shack was a white stub, about six foot white stub. The guard, this is what's really got me strange, struck me strange, come out of that guard shack was a lieutenant. Now, you don't see officers as guards. That's your NCOs in EMs and that kind of thing, like corporals or EFCs, privates. Sergeant, you know, buck sergeants, that kind of thing, E-5s, you don't see lieutenants as guards. This was really unusual. And if you ever do hear something like that, it's because there's something highly classified, highly, highly classified that they're in charge of. They're not charging, they're not, not trusting to any, uh, 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 you know, to a uh, uh, NCO. So he comes out there, guides the first truck over to the white stop, bumper to the white stop, next truck goes bumper to the bumper, bumper to bumper, bumper to bumper. So if you get the idea, all trucks are bumper to bumper now, compressed together. All of us are, our soldiers are, are ordered out of the vehicles, ordered the other side of the guard shack at parade rest facing opposite direction. And uh, facing parade rest, it's standing there for a long period of time in that 120 degree heat. And starts combat fatigue is not comfortable, fellas. You get chaffed real easy, real quick, and you're sweating like a dog because uh, those starch fatigues don't breathe. 
And uh, we stood there at parade refs. That's right. When they did us a parade refs, if they do, if they do you at, at, at attention over there, then you're, you're going to fall out because your your main arteries, so your knees will lock up and you'll go ahead and fall right past right out. So they put you at parade refs. Any case, uh, after about an hour, standing at parade rest, fast in the opposite direction, curiosity got the best of me. And I, I had to take a peek back. And I took a real fast glance back and turned back around because I didn't want to get caught. What I seen, the vehicles were gone. Were that ele- evidently, it was an elevator system of some kind that the vehicles were put on, which made sense why they're bumper to bumper. And they went down and they were unloaded down there, evidently. I looked down there when I took that little peek and all I seen was like a basic maintenance facility. I didn't get but a couple second look. I remember seeing 55 gallon drums, a few tools. That's about it. I couldn't see anything else, but I've seen that down lower level. Um, so I knew that that was a, uh, some kind of a maintenance facility or something underground. Evidently had to be top secret to something because of the fact, oh, uh, here it is, middle of the desert, middle of nowhere, had a, uh, a elevator that you wouldn't even know was an elevator, drops these vehicles down and loads them and brings them back up top side. So evidently it was a, no one, you know, no one supposed to know this thing's there, right? Mm-hmm. And having a lieutenant at the guard really puts the icing on the cake. Well, in any case, so uh, we were ordered back in the vehicles. Vehicles were uh, turned around, told about about face and back vehicles. They were about they were back up top side again, uh, all empty, and ordered back inside. Followed Chase Spiegel back to Fort Bliss, which we did. Got back to Fort Bliss, went back there, topped the vehicles off, went ahead, maintenance them. Our maintenance logs were ordered into a debriefing room. And, of course, we're told the basic speech, you know, you cannot talk about this to anyone. This event did not happen, did not occur, period. Sign your feral documents and all that kind of stuff. All right, so we went through that so many times, I, I couldn't count on a calculator. Um, any case, so a good, a good I, I didn't talk about it to, really to anybody except for one good friend of mine who... Uh, worked in army intel and uh so i asked him about it and he was very he said i'm gonna check it out you know i told him about it and everything because he was an army intel i mean he can figure something out well he never got back to me and that's when i later on pcs to germany and boom i was over with lost contact with him uh when i came out the military got married to my wife in 84 moved out here in 1993 uh i went ahead and uh I met him down in Leesville, and uh, so I was outside of Fort Pope. I ain't seen him in 100 years, so it was good to see him. He's fixing to retire. I said, come out to the house. We'll have some coffee. So he came out to the house, came out here. We sat on the same front, front, front porch where I'm sitting on right now talking to y'all in the same rocking chair and, uh, in 93. And he told me, his buddy, I'm, I'm fixing to retire. I'm going back to Colorado. He said, uh, Remember you told me about that incident. You got sent TDY over to Fort Bliss up there in the middle of the desert. And you seen this side of some kind of depot? I said, yeah. He said, I did some homework on that. I got some news for you. Now, understand, this is back in 1993. 1993, computers had just been out a few years then. And the internet, I don't think the internet even really come to life yet. I don't think the internet was, if it did, it, it was so minute and so limited i don't think that the the uh information uh, uh, what they call the information highway for the computers internet 
really didn't come out, start kicking out to about 97, 98, maybe, I think, or later. Right. Well, it, it was still a back alley at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, I, I, you know, I don't even have a computer in my house, but I, I, I used them when I, you know, in, during my career in law enforcement later on. But I, I remember we, we really didn't start even, get, you know, using them until like, you know, the early, around 2003, 2004, we started really started getting them, you know, so, and I never was no whiz on them. Trust me. I, I didn't use one unless I had to. Uh, but in any case, and in the military, of course, back then in the 70s, we had teletype. We didn't have computers back then for Tom um, But in 93, he, he, he tells me this, and, and he, he said, uh, gave me a coordinates, and he said, look, you told me your coordinates was about 27 miles uh, south of Western Springs, Colorado. He said, that puts you right about uh, three and a half miles outside of a town called Dulce, New Mexico. And he said... Uh, there's a very new installation out there, secret installation. He said, I believe you've seen part of that installation. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, well, put, put one-on-one together. You got you got out there in the middle of your, you know, he said, you're three and a half miles from Adolfi. He said, and that's a huge, huge huge underground installation going on for miles miles he said and uh, you probably saw a maintenance facility park a maintenance depot whatever on the outer outer end of it and he said uh i evidently there was other ones out there too you know and i said well might have been i don't know i didn't go to them but i told him when i went to but so i opened my eyes up to that and i didn't i didn't know what dulcie was i never heard of dulcie and it wasn't until around 2000 oh what about 2008, nine, maybe that I even heard about Dulcie, that it became the item, a thing to me about, you know, hey, well, that's it's uh, underground installation. I didn't know that, you know, so I said, whoa, I knew about this long before it became an item. <laughs> How about that? So, but in any case, I mean, so that became kind of a neat little thing. So, uh, you know, now if someone asked me, you know, do you think Dulcie, uh, a Dulcie base is real? I have to say, I think so because I I seen something. I didn't see no aliens. I didn't see no spaceships. I didn't see nothing like that. I just seen a, a maintenance facility depot part of it. But well, evidently, well, think about think about this. You said you were over in Germany, and, right. and think about the relatively short time that Hitler was in power, and right. the just the massive underground facilities that they're still dis- rediscovering now yeah. that he built in such a short time, maybe like what, 15 years? Yeah. Like the, yeah. So if he did that in that short a time, imagine what our government has done in the last, yeah. what, 250 years. You know I what I'm saying? You, I, agree. I agree. I can tell you, I, I can tell you this, uh, trust me, you know, the military, uh, operates on, you know, a premise of for their eyes only. We don't know a tenth. Let me ask, I tell you this. I mean, in the military, we would work cross-train a lot. Soldiers cross-train a lot. You may have your main MOS, you know, uh, might be uh, infantry or, or, or artillery or whatever, but you cross-train constantly. We did a UP, UP, we did a supply. And working in supply for the short time I did, you get the bill of ladens over there, and you figure out, it's not hard to figure out why here your bill of lading is and you got 
Uncle Sam is paying $6,000 for a toilet seat. Uncle Sam is paying $1,000 for a screwdriver. Uncle Sam is paying $800 for a hammer. Okay, this is how they pay for all their secret projects. This is how they pay for and fund a lot of those things. Okay, through a skunk work. This is how I do that. And, and uh, kind of like under, no one questions it. No one questions. Would you pay $800 for a hammer? You can get at at tractor supply for, for eight bucks? No. No, I mean, and, but what I'm saying is this is how you pay for this stuff. Now, when I was in Germany, the colonel I mentioned to you uh, that took me around, Colonel Peterson, he was an uh, amazing guy, uh, one of the best. You don't find full board colonels as down to earth as he was. Most of them act, walk around like they got a corn cob up their ass. I mean, they, you know, hey, Drew, get over here and do this. You know, so this guy was down to earth. Maybe because he only had a year left to retire. Maybe that was, I don't know. But uh, we had an NCO meeting uh, on our, uh, when he uh, he came he came from the Pentagon to take over our battalion in Germany as our, our BDC. And... Uh, in field meeting, we all sat around there, you know, getting to know him and everything, get him getting to know us and see how laid back he was. So one of the NCOs decides to go ahead and, and uh, oh, and by the way, uh, NCO, NCO is, is just means uh, uh, a soldier that's E5 or above, buck sergeant or above, okay? A non-commissioned uh, officer or whatever, is that what this exactly. is? Non-commissioned officer, exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, anyway, so we're sitting around there talking to him. One of the, one of the uh, NCOs says, hey, Colonel, he says, uh, you worked in the Pentagon for all them years. He said, "He said, uh, what you know about UFOs? Are they real?" And I remember him looking at us, and he he said, "He said everyone got quiet because they want you know everyone got quiet. They didn't know if he's going to go ahead and answer the question or go ahead and jump <laughs> down, right? You know, you know." But he he said, "Let me tell you something." He said, "Gentlemen," he said, "What goes on in the Pentagon doesn't need Pentagon walls." And he said, "As far as do UFOs exist? Do alien life forms exist?" He said, I'm going to answer it like this. He said, as soon as you asked me that question, the little voice in the back of your mind answered for you. And whatever that said, believe that. And we all looked at each other, and we all looked at each other. Well, uh, uh, my mind said it's true. Other guy, my mind said it's true. We all, yeah, all of them, we, our mind said it's true. Looked at us and said, believe what your mind said. So what he was trying to tell us without going ahead and, you know, unwrapping the package was, yes, they are real. They are true. They are, they do exist. Uh, which always, we know that. I mean, tic-tac yeah. video, sightings, yeah. I mean, it goes we're on finding, on. Yeah, we're, we're finding that out, you know. I, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're seeing things all the time, and, and it's my, uh, you know, uh, uh, my mother, I don't know if I told you this or not, I can't remember, uh, uh, but my mother, uh, when I was growing up, uh, was a big believer in alien life forms, and she believed that she was abducted by aliens. And my grandmother too, both believed it. And uh, uh, up to the day my, my, my both of them passed away, they believed they were abducted. No, why? I can't, no, no, why did they believe that? What What happened that that made uh, them? There several events that occurred. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up uh, outside of Kenoga Park, California, back in the in the 50s and the 60s. And uh, so my mother, she died when I was 13 years old. But I remember her, I mean, in the morning time, she'd come to me and she'd tell me, she goes, she goes Steve, I, I, they took me again last night. They come got me again last night. And, you know, uh, she'd call them the stick men. 
the mat, they, they stick me in like they had, like, I, I mean, I, as a kid, I'm looking at it as a match, the way she described it to me, a match. And if you look at a match, it's a stick with a bubble head, like, you know, drop head. So teardrop head kind of reminds you of a gray, I guess. Anyway. And she tell me that took her again. And my grandmother, uh, she lived with, she, when she stayed with us before she passed away, she was in the next room for mine. And every night she'd scream. I mean, just, they're coming to get me again. They're coming to get me again. And my mom would get up and run in there. And my dad didn't believe it. Uh, my dad thought, you know, he didn't believe nothing. He was down to earth type. Uh, just didn't believe anything went in front of his face. And, uh, but I had seen, I had seen several things. We had come home one night. This is back in like 67 in town. And we parked in front of the house. It was dusk. It wasn't dark. It was dusk. And when everyone's outside on the city block looking up over our house and about, you know, I mean, it was pretty far up there, but it, it was a long blue centrifugal object above our house, just hovering there. And everyone's watching it. It's not just me, it's not my mom, it's everybody on the city block. And it, it just darts off, gone. So, I mean, I don't know if they were coming for her. I don't know if it was just come around and get somebody. I don't know. I, I, I it, But she, it freaked her out. And she wouldn't sleep that night. Uh, and it, it, so these are things that just uh, really, 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 I guess I got my attention to believe, uh, understand, you know, I was grew up, I guess, believing in these things. And as far as that went, when I was 15 years old, my dad had been married. And uh, so uh, we were sitting in the living room and my stepmom and me were real close. And uh, my uh, aunt and uncle were missionaries in, in Nome, Alaska. They had come down to visit from Nome. And we were sitting there on a kitchen table. And they were telling my, my folks about uh, at nighttime, some nights, these big white birds, they're about four foot tall, and walk inside their rooms at the foot of their bed. And neither one of them, my aunt or uncle, either one of them can move. They were frozen. And these creatures, they, these birds were like four foot tall white owls with big black eyes. And also several people, they friends of theirs, known were seeing the same thing. So they, of course, being missionaries, they naturally assumed them to be demons. And uh, that was how it was looked at. Well, I kind of brushed it off, you know. Until about 2012, 2013, when the movie uh, The Fourth Kind come out. I've seen that. And uh, this is like part movie, part uh, 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 so it's supposed to have been part movie, part uh, uh, real, whatever, but I don't know. But anyway, there was a, uh, they talked about, all the people talked about seeing these white owls in Nome, Alaska. That's where it was made at. Seeing these white owls walk in their room. And uh, when they got put on their hypnosis, they come to find out that it wasn't black, it wasn't white owls. It actually was gray aliens that was coming in the room, abducting, abducting them. And uh, so, when I seen that, I said, "Whoa!" It kind of gave me the big whoa experience because forty years earlier, my aunt and uncle, I'm hearing about this happening, you know, in '72, 
and, and, and uh, uh, was happening in Nome, Alaska, and the movie doesn't come out to like 2012 or 13. I said, whoa. <laughs> so when people ask me, you think that's real? I say, yeah. <laughs> I heard it you. So it, it kind of enlightened me to a lot of things on that. And I, I, I kind of, but I mean, all through my life, you know, just different instances. And I, I was telling you when we talked the other day, you know, I'm 65 years old, look back at my life, and all, all life is, all life is, to me, is an accumulation of memories and experiences. And as we share them with each other, we share with, you know, hey, what what we what we seen, what we experienced, and our memories. And that's what I'm doing right now, to sharing y'all with y'all memories and experiences I, I've experienced, I've seen. Uh, it just, man, look. I open my eyes to the fact what we see in this world is not just what exists. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more going on here. I mean, y'all have heard of what Skinwalker Ranch and all that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on over there. And I, I'm, you know, uh, and so it, it, it's, you know, of course, I've never been there before. And I don't think I, I don't think I want to go. But anyway, I'm just saying, but there's a lot of things going on. Uh, and we just have to go ahead and you know, understand walk is this, you know, uh, you know, here by the grace of God, go I, you know, that's how we have to live our life because every day something new is popping up and we see these things. So that's pretty much my, my experiences right there. What I've seen and what I've done, gone through, what I've done, uh, you know, it just, Hey, uh, do I believe Bigfoot creatures exist? Yes, I do. There's not a doubt in my mind. Like I said before, I'd argue anyone on the ground that they say they don't. But yet, the night before, I've seen it. I'd argue with you if you said you saw one. But I, 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 I just changed my life. I've seen it. Seeing is believing for me. Um, and that's all I can tell you on that. I just. Uh, well, Steve, well, well, Steve, if I, as I've taken, you know, I take notes while guests talk a little bit, and I still kind of, I have to go back to. <clears throat> how hungry you made me at the beginning of this talking about how good a cook granny was. So, so food, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I have that. St- I have that. St- because if, if it was a, maybe that, maybe that Bigfoot was like, Hey, look, granny's a cook. Maybe she'll leave something I can reach in and snag. <laughs> I you know, I, I honestly, and we laugh about it, but I'm serious. No, that, I'm serious. Like, he, came around, he, and he got that smell of that cooking. He said he made me bite me in now. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, that fried chicken, son, oh, my goodness. That, and, and what she can do, uh, and when, when when she made green beans and, you know, snap, snap peas and all that, I mean, she would just go ahead, and it was just amazing uh, it, it just, oh my goodness. So, you know, well, that thing, it, 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 if the way we think, like, you know, that these are part human, part animal, I mean, if they're smelling, yeah. if the, if this creature's smelling that, it's just like the rest of us. I mean, you're talking about it and made me hungry. And you're hungry, yeah. <laughs> He's probably like, gosh, lady, just, just leave me a, you know, leave me a chicken leg on the window or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, but, you know, and, and you like. You're right. I mean, I, you're right. I, I and I never really thought about it in that angle, but you're exactly right. <laughs> Think about it now. I wouldn't. That's why he came around and picking in the window at her. You know, in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not proclaiming anything, but I'm like, look, I'm kind of thinking like Bigfoot a little bit, like, uh, yeah. 
I mean, he that's probably not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, he's, he's smelling the food and like, man, I, I want some of this stuff, but, uh, now did you, did you, uh, so like when the dad, so you're standing there and you guys are all seeing this, right? like, were you like, were you like a little upset at all with that? They hadn't clued you in on what happened. I was. Matter of fact, yeah, me and him had a talk the next morning when we were fixing to pull that recon out there. And I, I asked him, I said, look, I said, I said, why didn't you give me a heads up on what we were going after? I'm assuming it's an intruder. I felt we we're trying to bring, I did not know what we were going. I didn't have a clue. If I'd have known what I was going after, maybe it had gone ahead and, yeah, I've been prepared, at least halfway prepared to see, you know, understand what I was looking at. And he said, well, would you come out to the house if I told you what it was we're going after? And I said, yeah. I said, I would have. I have been cautious, but I would have. But it made sense then once once I came outside and them dogs was uh, you know under the house whining, it made mm-hmm. a lot of sense. They were scared to, and of course the cattle while they were acting like we were. So evidently the animals all knew there was something that ain't supposed to be. Uh, but yeah, I asked him that, you know, and, and you know he apologized, and I said, well, it's all good. I said, but man, look, I, I wish I had a heads up because they all knew. <laughs> I they, they wouldn't tell me, and I guess he he, he wanted to have all the help he could. So uh, yeah, I reckon I'd done the same thing. I guess I don't know, but I still. Yeah, uh, that really it kind of got to me, you know, because I I don't know. This thing yeah. appeared when it jumped over that fence. I have no idea what I'm looking at. My mind is trying to figure out what I'm looking at. All right, and and when he stood up, <laughs> my mind froze, man. I said, "What in the hell is this?" So yeah, I mean, yeah. Now, had they, now did they ever? Did they ever say that? Had they ever gone out in that same? way after the thing before or was that the first time they had gone out there and tried to confront it that i i I really can't answer that question i don't know i mean i don't want to say yes they didn't or they did and they did i don't but but uh i assume they probably have could be it's been around a few times before uh obviously but i don't know if they went out looking for it i don't know if this is the first time they did when i was there uh, they had the extra manpower or they had before in the past. He never really came out and said, all I know is what granny said. It's come around a few times before. And he told me it come around a few times before, but you know, it never tried to break in the house as far as beating on the walls or breaking windows or something like that. Uh, so, uh, evidently because it wasn't of a violent nature, they figured it was just curious, but they didn't know what it was. They had no idea what it was. And, and then uh, I'm assuming that's why they had not shot at it either. Uh, yeah, yeah, and to my to my knowledge, to my knowledge, I mean, I don't think they ever shot at it before. I don't know. I wasn't there with them before, but uh, I just know that night I was there, no one shot at it. I didn't, and he was too froze to go ahead and shoot. So, and I'm kind of glad too because that 410 against that big old thing, if he'd have pissed it off, we'd have been dead. I, uh, it it, it, uh, it tore us up. So it'd been it'd been just like that scene in Blazing Saddles when Gene Wilder's telling. Cleveland Little. <laughs> well, what are you doing? I'm taking my gun. No, you'll just make him mad. You'll just yeah. make Mongo mad. <laughs> so that's it. Make Mongo mad. You're right. That's exactly it. I mean, what's he going to do? So I was glad he didn't shoot. He was too, like I said, too froze to shoot. I, I wasn't going to shoot because I, you know, I was trained, you know, hey, man, he runs away, let him go. And he, he didn't try to aggress me. He ran away. So evidently he was as scared of me as I was of him. So I wasn't about to go ahead and fire because I'm thinking if I do shoot, he decided to turn around and it pisses him off. That ain't no good, you know? So. Um, I, and I wanted to ask you about the four poke thing. Now, were you tempted? Like, so you've, you've seen one 
you know when the word comes out that uh, another you know a creature was seen, you know that it's legit. There's something out there. You're not on a wild oh, yeah, goose yeah. chase. Yeah. Were you were you tempted like to tell your buddies like I know this is real because I've seen one, or you just kept your mouth shut? I was very tempted. Let me tell you something. I almost did, but I didn't. I never talked about it. I didn't bring it out. I remember, I remember specifically wanting to go ahead and tell them guys, but I knew if I said something, no, I'm not going to do it. So I kept it inside. I didn't say it. Uh, I just went along with the status quo. As far as, you know, uh, now there was people who saw it, that creature. We didn't see it, but another battalion did. And we heard it got captured. We don't know. I can't say that for a fact. I'm just saying what we heard to the grapevine. Now, but, now, now, after all these years, have you poked around and tried to see if you found anybody else that's come forward and said anything about that incident or not? When I did the uh, interview with Miguel on one of the comments. It was actually a couple of comments. Some fellers that come out and said, yeah. One guy said he was there and one of the other battalions and when if all 5,000 troops were out there looking to, I mean, I didn't know the guy back then, of course. And other guy said the same thing that he heard about it too. So yeah, there was other people who heard about it. And, uh, and, uh, so it, it was, uh, you know, I, 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 I just, I remember, uh, there was I, I a, love, I would love to fi- have somebody come forward and say, yeah, I was part of the unit that captured him. That would oh be. yeah, I, I wish that'd be awesome. I, now this guy, now either one of them guys said that, but they they just said you know, uh, one of them said he was there. He another guy said he remembers that when the, when all the troops went through the woods, all five thousand of them, and hearing about it. So evidently those two, one one of them guys was said he was from Leesville, which is right there outside of Fort Polk. So evidently, you know, he might have uh, heard about it he, or whatever. But he might have heard about it, but not actually been on the base. Right, right. Yeah. But one okay. guy said he was. One of the guys who commented said he was with you know going through there. So. Um, but, uh, any case, I mean, I, that's, you know, and, and it, it was a lot of, com- I think it had, it had like, I can't remember how many comments on that 500 and something comments. I couldn't go through all of them, but it was, uh, I think in three months it had, it had brought like about 235,000 views. <laughs> it was blowed up. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's, yeah. I mean, and that's the best, you know, and that's what we tell everybody, you know, you're you're saying life is nothing but experiences and memories and stuff, and you're you're sharing them, and it does. Like you look how long it took you to share this experience. I mean, you have no doubt about what you saw and some of the other stuff you experienced, but the fact that you can share it and let other people hear it that hopefully brings like maybe those two dudes that commented on the on on the Sask uh, on Miguel's thing. Yeah. Maybe that, that that will spur them to say, you know what? Maybe I should come out and, and talk about my story. And pretty I soon, if will, you yeah. have, yeah, pretty soon if you have fifty people coming out saying, "Look, I was at Fort Polk back in, and this is what happened." Well, then mm-hmm. there's no, you know, then it's like, okay, let's, yeah, you know, That's what's it. going on. But it, it did. And I remember on some of the comments it brought out, you know, a lot of the people talking about their encounters. They had seen this and that, but not, not at Fort Polk, but at other places. And, you know, so it kind of it kind of opened up them up to coming out and, and, and telling their stories. And that's really good. And I encourage them to come out. But here's something I want to say, and I just want to put this out in the mix, too. And I just want to encourage anybody, anybody, ex-military, anybody, law enforcement background. If you had an experience, come out. And, and, and I kept it inside me for all them years, and I regret that. I do regret it. You know, uh, it feels so good to go ahead and get it off my chest. 
it, it does. I mean, and, and I just encourage everyone, you know, to come forward if they had an experience. People, people need to hear it. People need to hear this because of the fact that they didn't know this world is not what we were taught in school. Okay. That, that it's not, it is a lot more to it than what we're taught. That's right. And so we have to go get, you know, people coming forward, telling their experiences. Uh, I think it's really important. I know a lot of law enforcement officers that don't want to come forward because of, you know, they feel it's, it's a credibility issue. And I, I, it's not, you know, I thought the same way, but it's not, I, you have to, you know, just, Hey man, look, this is what it is. Um, you know, I'm retired from law enforcement. I, I you know, I, I enjoyed my career. I do. I have a lot of friends and I, I mean, uh, and I have friends in law enforcement that had experiences, you know? And, and so, I mean, and maybe not so much with Bigfoot, but with UFOs and alien encounters and portals and this kind of thing and ghosts, whatever, you know? So, I mean, there's lots of things there, but, uh, I just encourage people to come forward. No, no, Jason, I, I want I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Steve and I discussed him coming on and doing an episode with the howler and doing some uh, law enforcement stories oh so, that'll be perfect <laughs> that will be perfect so, so, uh, so everybody was listening to this episode and enjoyed you know steve's uh tone of the bigfoot wait till we get wait till we get him and the howler in this on the same <laughs> on the same but, well, oh yeah I that, that would be wonderful you. right there <laughs> there's some there's some encounters there i'll tell you what and, and there's some funny ones but i it, it you know it wasn't funny for the family but i, I it just the way it happened but yeah i mean there's there's, there's you know I, I just now that i came forward and i really started going ahead i feel so much more comfortable talking about it it and i'm now hearing all the other people telling their stories in, in in my family my wife's family it's like wow you know uh I, hey you know what uh why did i keep it inside me for all these years you know, uh, yeah, you know, and, and it it just really makes. Uh, so I mean, I I'm really. Uh, but now, oh, I want to tell you. I don't think I mentioned this. When I did go down to Falk, Arkansas, and I found the file and 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 talk and go to talk to the owner of that Bigfoot Museum over there. Uh, he was telling me that you know I told him my encounter. He was telling me he never seen one before, but he did hear a, a few of them out there in Boggy Creek area, and he said that uh, he recorded them on on his phone, and he asked me if I wanted to hear it. And I said, sure. You know, and so he went ahead and he he pulled his phone out. He said, now tell me if it sounds like the one you heard. Because the one I heard was very specific. It was very, very specific. It sounded, if it, when it, it roared, it sounded like a, a panther. You know how a panther screams like a woman. Real loud, blood-curdling scream. And that ended like a bassy lion roar or something like that. It was, it just rumbled your chest. You know, elephant or something like that. Anyway, so he went ahead and he played that recording for me. He, he was out there in Bog Creek and he, he heard the howls out there and he recorded the last couple of them. And uh, when he played it and I heard that son hair and bat in my neck stood up, I, 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 I was like, whoa. He said, that sound close to what you heard? I said, that sounded just like what I heard, son. And I never heard anything like it before. I mean, not since then uh, until he played that recording for me. And I live out in the woods, like I said. I, I, I have panthers and coyotes. I have hoot owls. I, I got, I got, you know, uh, wolves and everything else barking and cutting up back here around around my house. I, I in these woods, and I, I've never heard anything like that before in my life, you know. Uh, so that it's got a very unique house. And I'm sure they're like that. They're like any other 
like, like any other creature or like a person. They may differ in sounds, I'm sure, from, you know, one to another. I, I don't I don't know. But I'm just – but I'll tell you what. It's sure – oh, man. It's, that gave me chills. <laughs> chills right now. I was thinking about it when, that, that, when I remember that how. And uh, I, matter of fact, it, it bothered me so much when he asked me if I wanted to record it on my phone from his phone. I said, no, sir, I don't. <laughs> I, 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 no, I don't want – it gave me too many chills. I didn't want to hear it again. Wow. <laughs> That's how much it bothered me, but. Uh, well, well, Steve, I am. I'm glad I came across. Um, I'm glad I came across your post, and we got to uh, talk and and joined us because this was great. I I mean, I wasn't expecting the last couple parts of that. I hadn't heard that, Jason. So I was as surprised as you were about the secret installation and and the other stuff. That uh, yeah. it was. It just all ties in together. It makes sense. Well, I mean, you know, really it's just, like I said, all experiences, all experiences I've been through, uh, you know, in the military, it just, you know, uh, I mean, you know, at the time, at the time, you know, I really didn't think about it because back then in the seventies, no one knew about Dulcie. No one ever heard about the Dulcie base. I, mm-hmm. I, I know what it was until 30 some odd years later. Right. So it, 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 it just, I didn't even make, make, you know, I didn't even worry about it. And until, you know, um, my partner came back and with that information in 93 and told me, he said, man, he said, look, I said, whoa, you know, and then later on, as I heard about, uh, uh, the Dulcie base from the 2000, early two thousands and such, it all the pieces of the puzzle came together. Yeah. And yeah. when you hear about something years before, uh, it come becomes a public knowledge. It kind of concretes it in. <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just like the underground railway system that they use in the desert, from the desert to the ocean out west, to uh, I think it goes to uh, uh, well, it's underneath the airport in Col- in, um, in Colorado, oh. and uh, people were you know years before they while they were building that, people used to complain about these booms that were coming from the earth, and it was like rattling things in their house. They were wondering was it seismic activity. But we got this oh. base that's being made that was being you know blown out the tunnels and everything. So it ended up being that you didn't, they found out about a decade later, you know, because nobody would talk about it at the time. It was top secret. Hmm. I'll tell you where, yeah, I mean, there's so many things like that. You know exactly. Yeah, underground. Uh, I mean, who knows what's underground? I, I mean, know, we have exactly. no idea. So, yep. you know, well, and, and I wanted to make a point before we uh, before we jump off here. I I thought. Well, I know how they fund all this stuff, other than an eight hundred dollar hammer and a and a uh, two thousand dollar toilet. It's it's them for the last fifteen or twenty years telling you that the post office is losing money because we're not <laughs> losing. <laughs> we lost a dime. Yeah. So, well, so when when they tell you that the post office lost eight million dollars or eight billion dollars. Ah, uh, now you know where the money's going. <laughs> yeah, the they're losing well. it. I wish I would find it. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, if, if you look at the past, predict the future, basically, uh, you know, if you look at the past, uh, governments of the world control the masses by what? Propaganda, yep. today known as media. Absolutely. Today known as media. Absolutely. How you control the masses. And Hitler controlled his masses by that. All the governments of the world control their masses like that. And so that's how you do that is whether the information, if you want someone to believe a lie, all you got to do is get a, a media source to go ahead and put it out there. And people believe it because the media won't lie, right? So that that's exactly what 
the mindset is on, on, on people. And it's not, it's not, you know, good or bad, but what it is is the fact that's how governments control the masses. And so when, right. when the, when the military, the military says, okay, or the government says, well, we are, we're losing money here, losing money there. It's an excuse. It's a cover story. It's a cover up for what's really going on. And they're hoping the masses buy the story. That's yep. basically what it is. You're right. You're right. Well, on that note, Steve, I, I just want to, I want to thank you for, for coming on with us and, and sharing these experiences. And like I said, I hope we get some, uh, we get some response and that maybe uh, somebody else knows some more details about that Fort four Pope episode. That would be awesome. Kid, yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah, and, uh, thanks, Steve, for coming on. I, I wanted to say that I, this this has just been like hanging on every word. This has been one of the best reaccounts of uh, <laughs> sightings that I've ever heard. I mean, yeah. this is like wow. I'm enthralled. Let's be honest. Let's let's be honest, Jason. He had you at biscuits and gravy. Yeah, he had me early on <laughs> with that. That's what gets it. Yep, that, that, that had me early on with that, but <laughs> that just perked the, perked the ears up a little bit. <laughs> it was the groceries. That's what did it right there. I got you. <laughs> well, hey, yep. thank you, thank you so much, Steve, and and we'll definitely uh, stay in touch. And and uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting together with the Howler and uh, doing another episode and. and getting into some law enforcement stories so oh yeah sounds great sounds great all right well hey stay safe out there because if something happens to you i don't think anybody's gonna find out for a couple weeks oh you ain't lying long time (laughs) all right man hey have a good have a good evening and we'll uh we'll we'll stay in touch all right yep take care y'all be good now guys thank you we'll do bye Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> God only knows what's hiding in our As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.